When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. One hour down here is Friday evening edition. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Kicking off hour number two. We'll go back out to the Circle Resort Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. You're joined by a friend of mine. You can find her on Twitter, at Nicole Auerbach. She's a senior writer for The Athletic, an award-winning writer for The Athletic, a host on SiriusXM, and at the Big Ten Network. She is the aforementioned Nicole Auerbach. What's happening, Nicole? How you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Great to be on with you. As always, appreciate you taking the time to do so. Uh, I've, I've been very curious throughout the first hour of the show because I, I got to admit my my grill game could use a little bit of work. It's probably a bit outdated, so I've been taking a bit of advice on the text line and from a previous guest here. How do you tend to go about things on a on a Memorial Day weekend? Do you like to be at the grill doing a little bit of cooking? Do you prefer to just be nearby while other folks – are you know are, are burning up all the meat in a very desirable way what's your normal mode of operation oh i am as you as we were talking i just had to take a break from prepping some burgers i'm about oh, to throw on the boy. grill um <laughs> i during covid i was like let's let's grill let's learn how to grill and look up all these recipes and get outside for a little bit so i love it um i think there's nothing better than you know, just having like a hard noon, waiting for something to grill. Uh, so I love to man the grill. That is my new, that is my, my place. And hopefully going to get a couple couple different grill outs, uh, grilling experiences this weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got it this weekend. It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's tradition. You got to have some burgers, got to have some hot dogs. Come on. Now, I actually haven't had an opportunity to talk to you about something before. I want to get into the Big Ten, Kevin Warren and everything else in a moment here. But I haven't really spoken to you about this TED Talk that you did earlier this year. And I, I am rather curious. I, I'm i assuming I probably know someone else who's done a TED Talk before, but off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone. So I got you here. I'm always curious about these TED Talks. You go to Nicole's Twitter account. She's at Nicole Auerbach. It is currently the, the pinned tweet where you had the opportunity to go and do a TED Talk. I, I would love to just get a sense for, one, where was it? And two, like, what was it like? Like, did you have to dress a little snazzier or a little nerdier or anything to that effect to do a TED Talk? Set the scene for me. Uh, yeah, so it was um, extremely stressful. So I went to the <laughs> University of Michigan, and so they do a TEDx 
conference each year and they invite people who have ties to the school or like are in the Ann Arbor community. And so they asked if I'd be interested in it. And then they're like, all right, think of some, you know, think of a couple topics that you are passionate about that you think you could talk about for 10 minutes. And, you know, so you go through a process over a period of months where, you know, you kind of like figure out your idea, your themes, you, you do an outline, you do a draft. I did not know before I committed that I would have to memorize the entire thing. I thought oh, that everyone giving Ted talks, had prompters and found out that was not the case. So basically for the month leading up to this, which was in February, uh, I basically didn't sleep. I was so nervous that I wasn't going to remember the whole thing. I couldn't remember the last time I had to memorize anything, like maybe like a minute long something in middle school. I mean, so it was very stressful, uh, but very rewarding. And, and to talk about something personal, um, which is, you know, being a woman in a male-dominated field and, and my career and, and, you know, just the things that I think about and stress about um, while wanting to be liked but also needing to be aggressive to do the job well. Uh, it, 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 I was so happy when I was done and proud of myself for kind of really opening up about something and doing something that was really hard. And like I said, I mean, I had to memorize it and it was just such a relief to have it done, but it's cool that it's like out there forever now. And, um, you know, I, I think it's resonated with a lot of women in a lot of different fields. So that's, that's been really cool. And one of the awesome things about it is that, you know, you get to share your, you know, your perception of, of just how you've kind of moved in this space in such an obviously male dominated space, but then also just, you know, for those of us who've been following your career for a while, reading a lot of the writings you've done at various outlets, but you know, prominently here as of late with the athletic, but then also just seeing the evolution of your career in television and radio and a number of other spots. And it's not, you know, a lot of folks can assume it's just, all right, you're, you're talking sports for a living and that's it, but it, it can end up being a lot more complex than that. So it's pretty cool, and I'm, I'm glad you got an opportunity to do that. I urge everyone to go and check it out. She's got it on YouTube there with the clip as well. But I, I do want to transition a bit here to the the topic of, of, of Kevin Warren specifically, his role with the Chicago Bears now as team president, but you know, as some of the rumors were, were beginning to circulate earlier in the year about him maybe leaving his role as Big Ten commissioner and, and moving on to the Bears. And then, of course, once that all became official, then everyone was kind of waiting to see what was going to happen next for the Big Ten. And Tony Petiti is now the Big Ten commissioner. So the conference is in a space where they have what seems to be a more than qualified candidate to move forward. But one of the questions that was there as Tony Petiti took the job was, well, Tony, what is it that you do here, that the big thing is done? You know, this TV deal, this historic TV deal is already taken care of, so what's your gig now? And this article came out on ESPN.com last week. Pete Thamel wrote it, just sort of outlining in, in a very detailed way. And I, I felt like in, in a somewhat, from a somewhat negative slant, some of the things that Tony Petiti will still have to tackle related to the Big Ten's TV partnership what stood out to you about the information that was there and in some of the the additional conversations you've had since then what are your impressions of of where the Big Ten TV deal sits at the moment yeah well you know when Tony Petiti was initially hired um, you know I called around and asked the question that a lot of people did and and you know you and I are both on the radio that week and everyone wants to know you know why do you hire someone with a media deal back media background or media executive but he's done deals like why would you hire that if the, the deal was done 
And one of the first things that people started telling me was, well, I mean, there's there's still a lot that needs to get worked on with the deal. You know, it's going from short form to long form contracts, always complicated. People do operate off of term sheets for a while. I mean, you know, you have the basics, but um, the, people are just saying there's a lot with this particular deal that still needed to be done. And we're seeing that kind of come out because we're seeing clearly that there, there was some horse trading with certain you know, Michigan State had to give up a home game to to play on Black Friday at Ford Field against Penn State in a way that those teams would play that late in November in an indoor setting, which, you know, obviously there's, there's been a lot of tension about playing outdoors in some of these college towns in the Big Ten that late for that NBC primetime game on Saturdays. So, you know, clearly there's a lot that still needs to be worked out. One of the first things that I was hearing from athletic directors was, they don't even know exactly how much they're going to make per year, which obviously leads to some questions about how much is left to, to, to tie up or unwind and do different things. And so one of the um, you know, pieces of, of the ESPN article that I think a lot of people latched on to was you know, the idea that like NBC had to sub-license the championship game from Fox uh, because the Big Ten Network, which is owned by Fox, was control, controlled those games. Um, and, and that's, part of it and obviously cbs did the same thing they sub-licensed games from fox as well and this happens you you see it in other sports and other rights um and so i think a lot of people you know maybe overreacted to that tidbit because um of the way it was presented but i don't think that that is all that unusual because from what i understand you know i was talking to um someone very high up in, in, in nbc and they were talking about how this is something that everyone involved in the negotiations knew was going to happen, was part of it, and was very upfront about it. So I don't think it was something that surprised people on the back end. So I think, you know, obviously it, it was not done. I think it explains a lot about why Tony Petiti and his background was so appealing to the president who decided to hire him. And also, you know, those, those number one priority issues, right? That is one and figuring out what you need to do for your partners and your commitments. And then also the USC UCLA front, you know, those are the, the two priorities for, for Tony Petiti coming in. And I think now everyone has a little bit better understanding of the con- contractual issues that he's going to need to continue to, to work through. Nicole, our back, my guest here on Chicago sports radio, six seventy. the score. You can follow her on Twitter at Nicole, our so many of us are accustomed to just watching football played outdoors in December and January in spots all around the country and not necessarily thinking uh, too much of it. But and I'll, I've been calling Big Ten football for years, Nicole, and frankly, I wasn't really aware that these tolerances were in place for mm-hmm. Big Ten teams to not play primetime, nighttime games in November but apparently it's just been one of those things for a while now. Um, we see Penn State as one of the programs beginning to kind of roll with that and acquiesce to it. You mentioned the game they're going to play at Florida Field against Michigan State. What is it that, that makes this seem to be so, such a, a difficult thing? Why, why is this kind of you know moving, I guess, a bit methodically for the Big Ten to be willing and able to get some of these November games in primetime? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, and I think a lot of it just has to do with, like, how things have always been. Uh, the tolerances, as you mentioned, which basically means that, you know, there there's a deal in place that certain schools do not have to play night games in November. And, you know, you do see Ohio State, they raise their hands, they're hosting uh, a night game in November. 
And again, you mentioned Penn State's going to play a night game. It's going to be indoors. Uh, Michigan State's going to have a home game to make that happen for Ford Field. There are people playing ball in this front, and I, I think it's one of those things where, like, it's going to be weird, right, having these NBC primetime games, but are these coaches and are these athletic departments going to take the money that they're about to get from these massive deals? For sure. <laughs> so they're going to have to do some things. I know, you know, basketball coaches concerned about games being on Peacock, et cetera, et cetera, but they're going to be happy to take their salaries and, and cash those checks and, and do all of the other things that come around this deal. They want to be in a conference that's paying out the, the $60 million a year, whatever the number is, for each of the schools, like there are just things that you're going to have to do. So I understand, you know, some of the talking points that people have had around, you know, if, you, if you're worried about maybe, you know, not selling out your stadium and, and affecting ticket gate and what you have to do for security and parking and what about hotels and, you know, just some of the things that logistically can be very challenging in a college town, especially like I always think about state college as the example for a lot of these things, because hmm. it's so remote and it's, hard to get there. The roads are, you know, it's not the best place to be driving late at night. Um, and there's just not a lot of hotels. So I get all of those reasons, but I also think about the fact that you're expanding the college football playoff. There are going to be campus games in December in these college towns as well. Penn State and Wisconsin are both going through with some stadium upgrades so that they can host those types of games. Uh, there are going to be night games in the CFP in those first round games as well. So to me, I don't see too much of a difference. And I think that, you know, my alma mater, Michigan, did not used to play at night. They didn't even have lights. And they would bring them in for the tail end of the 3.30 game. After I graduated, they played a night game. And you know what? Now they play night games. And they don't do it all the time, but they do do it. And again, it's not November, but that was the thing that Michigan never did. And a lot of these things that have been traditional elements of all of this, as it continues to become an even bigger business, I think you're going to see some changes. So I get all the, the angst and the consternation, but again, you're seeing people being willing to play ball here. Ohio State's going to be hosting one of those games. Michigan State gave up a home game. There's going to have to be concessions made for some of this stuff because that's the deal. You know, if you're, you're partners with, you know, you got Fox, CBS, and NBC, they're going to want those games. They're going to want those brands in their time slots. So you got to do that in order to cash those checks. And I think everyone in the Big Ten is, is happy about the money and the position that they're in in terms of resources. So they're going to have to do some of this stuff. And if this $7 billion TV deal turns out to be a $6.96 billion TV deal, still going to be quite a healthy amount of money and more than any conference has ever cashed in a deal like this in its history. Uh, but before I let you run, Nicole, I'm, I'm curious. It, it's, it strikes me as being so difficult to quantify this, but I think you, you can manage it as effectively as anyone here. When Kevin Warren first took the job as Big Ten commissioner and then – you know, weeks after, you know, you know, being on the job officially, the pandemic hits, shuts everything down. I think at that point he had made it to like one or two campuses. So you spend this broad period of time not being able to meet a lot of folks who, you know, presidents and chancellors around the Big Ten were new in their job as well. You're making these, you know, unprecedented decisions and sometimes having to make them, you know, perhaps in some way in a silo as well, because not everyone could sort of, you know, come to a consensus on some of these items. How much of that at this point, you know, if uh, I'm of, I'm of the impression that some of this is still, you know, sore feelings, you know, for folks who, 
didn't necessarily appreciate whether it was the communication style or feeling like there was a lack thereof or transparency is a word being thrown around a lot with Kevin Warren. What's your sense for how much just him getting the job and immediately the pandemic hits, he's not able to meet these administrators in in, in person, and then all those decisions that some folks agreed with and some folks didn't. Is, is part of this just where, where folks never really got beyond the, the first impression of, of when Kevin Warren was in that position and taking the job? I, I think so. I mean, I think there is always going to be people who are never really going to move past that. And, um, you know, I think that it's very hard to, to come out of something like that. And we all have talked about what happened in 2020 a, a lot of times and a lot of people had issues with the the decision-making process, the communication, as you mentioned. Um, and obviously it got ugly. You don't normally see people spill out so publicly, the anger, the coaches, athletic directors, people criticizing things um, in, in criticizing the league office. And so it's hard to come back from that and, and to continue to build those relationships. You know, I think that from Kevin's standpoint, you know, the ability to add USC, UCLA, that news did not leak, right? That was, it was done by the time it was out there that was something that i think you know showed him that you know you can rebuild trust and you can build, rebuild these relationships and and again you know getting the media deal done now you see how much is still left to be done done but there were things in the tail end of his tenure certainly uh that that he accomplished that the people in the league were very happy with or, or happy with the, the league is positioned to be but i do think there are people and factions of people who just we're never really going to get over that and, and or even just the idea of kind of an outsider coming into college sports, you know, doing these, making these decisions, talking about professional, professionalizing college sports more openly than others are comfortable with in terms of conference expansion and athletes as employees and, and different things like that. So I think it was one of those, it was just one of those marriages that, at the end, it was it was probably for the best for both sides that they're that they're split, right? For Kevin to go back and work, you know, in the NFL where he's more comfortable, he spent most of his career there, and and for the Big Ten to to move on and 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 to kind of work through some of those things. And you know, by all accounts, from what I've heard about Tony Petiti, he's an excellent communicator, uh, really good boss. Talked to a lot of different people who work with him in baseball and MLB Network. And so I, I think some of those things that became issues under Kevin Warren, I don't think will be issues under Tony Petiti because again, I think the skill set and like the interpersonal strengths, um, you know, should address that. And also obviously he saw what happened with Kevin and the big 10 and, and you know that how important it is to develop those relationships, get on those campuses now that the world is not shut down uh, and, and go from there. And I think, you know, obviously priority of, you know, kind of looping in the athletic directors, they feel part of the decision-making process that would stave off, you know, some of that discontent um, and disconnect as well. So it's it's definitely an interesting circumstance and, and tenure to look back on because so much happened over the, what, three and a half, four years that Kevin Warren was in charge of the Big Ten. But I, I do think, you know, him being back in the in, in, uh, NFL, better for him. And I think the Big Ten having a new leader, also probably better for the Big Ten. Nicole, may your burgers have ample seasoning and your write-ups have ample <laughs> clicks. Have a fantastic weekend, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck with the grilling this weekend. Thank you very much. That is Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic and SiriusXM and the Big Ten Network. You can follow her on Twitter at Nicole Auerbach. When we return, I'm going to get back into this Scotty Pippen stuff. I, I talked about it a good bit earlier in the show about an hour ago. 
There's so much more I want to say, but I do want you to hear from Scotty himself as well. We will have my guy Tyler Farringo play a few of those clips for you on the other side of this timeout. We will open up the phone lines as well at 312-644-6767. I would love to hear from you, your thoughts on Scotty, on Scotty sharing his thoughts, on the thoughts that Scotty shared and how he's sharing those thoughts and the thoughts that other folks are sharing about Scotty's thoughts. Let's think together. Let's do that here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Okay, so there was a moment. There was a brief moment in time. About halfway through here. It's Friday evening edition. Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. There was a brief moment in time where Scotty had dropped from being the number one trending topic in the United States to being the number two trending topic in the U.S. He's back to number one. And I can only assume that it's because an hour ago I kind of went down my little rabbit hole and gave, gave you my thoughts on Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, the Bulls convo, and everything else. Uh, so I'll just reset it real quick, and I want to let you hear from Scotty himself. My, my basic idea here, the premise I'm operating under, and I'd love to hear from you at 312 312- Six four four six seven six seven three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. My basic premise about where we're at with Scotty is that Scotty feels betrayed, man. Like Scotty, when you look at the Last Dance, and I, I, you know, reminded everyone of the entire timeline in the first hour of the show here, but the world got to watch what essentially turned out to be a Michael Jordan puff piece, which is fine. Like I saw the movie Air. A couple of weeks ago. That's a Michael Jordan puff. Frankly, it's a Dolores Jordan puff piece, which is fine. Seems like an amazing woman, a great mother. She raised the one of the most prominent, perhaps you can make the, the argument financially, certainly the most prominent sports figure in the history of the universe. I got no issue with that. Michael Jordan deserves his fair share of puff pieces, but aside from it being this magnificent puff piece, this docu-series for Michael Jordan that The Last Dance turned out to be, it also tore down certain individuals around Michael Jordan and the individual that I understand 
most why this person would feel a certain way, would feel mistreated, would feel betrayed, would feel backstabbed about this is Scotty Pippen. Now, there were points in the, in the documentary where Michael you know, certainly went out of his way to say that he couldn't have won those championships without Scotty. There were complimentary moments that Michael Jordan had related to Scotty Pippen. But if we're under the impression, which Scotty and some others certainly seem to be under the impression that Michael Jordan had control over the content that came out here and there was a level of trust. This is what everyone has to remember about this to allow that level of access into your world, into your life for you to agree to take part in it. There's a lot of trust that goes into that, man. I mean, I, you know, I'm not some documentary filmmaker, but I, I've done a few things where, where you know, you need to convince people to allow yourself. I've, I've produced a couple of things. I've certainly, you know, hosted and interviewed some things where you have to convince people to trust you to allow you and a camera crew and your questions, your inquiry into your world. And obviously, you know, the Chicago Bulls and everyone's watching the NBA Finals and championships and winning and everything else, but the locker room is a different deal. And then certainly your family history, your baggage, your hometown and folks who are associated with you and you sitting down as Scottie Pippen and others talking about that, there's a deep level of trust that goes into that. Trust that they had in Michael Jordan, in theory, having their best interests in mind, and also trust in the NBA in maximizing the brand of the Bulls, the brand of those great players associated with the Bulls, and out of anyone there who feels like his legacy was tarnished to the greatest extent I understand why that would be Scottie Pippen. And you got to think through, through the lens of, of what, what the media coverage was in the 90s. It's so different. And frankly, I mean, it's, it's not that long ago. But when you think about social media coming around kind of what, I don't know, towards the latter stages of the first decade of the 2000s, something like that, when, when Facebook and Twitter became you know, so much more prominent and, and everyone began using them. If if Twitter was around in the 90s, if our national consciousness was then what it is now, Michael Jordan would be viewed so differently, man. And again, like I said earlier, I mean, I, I got, I make no bones about it. I'm an MJ guy. There, there's not an athlete who who brought more joy into my sports fandom than Michael Jordan did throughout my childhood and young adulthood. Like after my freshman year at Iowa, the the summer of 1998, when, when Jordan hit that last shot that he took as a member of the Chicago Bulls, 98 NBA Finals, crosses over Byron Scott and, and, you know, gets away with an offensive foul, but whatever, hits it, he's holding his hand in the air. Me and some of my teammates had just rented a house on Melrose Avenue in Iowa City, and I'm moving in. We're like moving into the to our home that night, and so as I'm moving, I'm just I'm gripped to the television, watching it. And Jordan hits that shot. I'm running around the house, screaming "Money, Money Bob!" throwing chairs across the room. I I acted like one of these maniacs that you see taking a golf club 
to their television in that moment. I, I was one of these maniac sports fans literally tearing up this new home that me and my teammates are renting because, because Jordan hit the shot. Not even like he missed it or somebody hit it over him. He made the shot. And I was just so excited. I'm running around tearing the house up. So I'm a, I'm a Mike guy. That being said, I feel like one of my superpowers is context. One of my superpowers is being able to compartmentalize the, the level of romanticism that a lot of folks operate through. So there's so much angst and ire that's thrown at Scotty for being willing to now, after he and, you know, frankly, kind of the global sports media, kind of protecting the image of Michael Jordan, this pedestal that Jordan was on at that time and that he continues to be on largely to this point. You know, and whether you're talking you know, gambling or infidelity and a bunch of other stuff that, that is well known about Michael Jordan and punching teammates and everything else, he, he would just be viewed so differently now, but he's not, and that's good for him. But think about if you're one of those other guys, and especially think about if you are the, the 1B to Michael Jordan's 1A. If you're Scottie Pippen and you see somebody who, you know, just to be frank, is a much worse human than you, I guess, like is not as good a dude, not as likable a guy, doesn't treat people as well as you make an effort to, but because of his exploits and because of the way he's viewed as a player, all that is viewed okay. All that is pushed aside, and you're the guy who's the butt of all these jokes. I understand why this upset Scottie Pippen, and frankly, why this is my impression. He didn't, you know, there was a lot of extra context when you actually watch the full interview in the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast with Stacey King and Mark Shanowski, but. Scotty didn't necessarily use the term betrayed, but that's my impression of, of how it comes off to me, that Scotty feels like there was a point in life where he and a bunch of others kind of went out of their way to, to help continue to like protect the image of Michael Jordan. And, and now here years later, it's kind of like Mike came out of nowhere and sideswiped several people, but chief amongst them, Scotty Pippen. For no reason. Mike didn't need this. Mike was doing fine. And here he is with the last, the last dance documentary, and it, it took a lot of shots at Scottie Pippen that I can understand why he took personally and why he feels betrayed by someone who he played a big role in the success that Michael Jordan had on the court, leading to a lot of the success Michael Jordan has had off the court. I'm talking a lot. Let, let me take a break and come back, and I will spend the entire segment allowing you to hear from Scottie Pippen himself. But I, I just I feel like a lot of the context or the reaction to this is missed, and so I kind of get rolling on it. But let me stay on clock and come back and let you hear from Scottie himself. Tyler's got a bunch of sound from the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast with Scottie giving some of his thoughts, but I wanted to at least set up some of this context for you and then allow you to hear from Scottie himself as well. So I'll do that. I'm going to get out of the way. Take a time out, come back. You will hear directly from Scottie Pippen. We'll play several of the clips from Scottie Pippen with Stacey King and Mark Shanowski. We'll do that next year on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. 
Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. You know, he just really turned sour to me his last couple of years of coaching. Not that that took anything away from me as a player or how I played the game or anything, but it was more, he became selfish. And when you're around selfish people, then things just, it, it, it really was the breakup of our team, to be honest. You know, one selfish guy on the team, another selfish guy coaching the team, it just, it was time for a divorce. I'm Scotty Pippen. Give me the hot sauce podcast. Stacey King, Mike Follow Stacey on Twitter at Stacey21King. Most of you already are. But the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, I would imagine a lot of additional subscriptions, clicks, downloads coming from that. But that was Scotty Pippen talking about Phil Jackson. He uh, at one point, Stacy asked him during their, their pretty lengthy interview that they had with the Hall of Famer, Scottie Pippen, he asked him about his relationship with Phil Jackson, and Scotty basically said, I, I, I don't have a relationship. And Phil and I never really had a strong relationship. And that, that can seem surprising because I think from the outside looking in, and especially you know for those of us who were fairly young in the 90s, we just kind of have this this very – you know, romantic view of, of how everything goes. And, you know, the, the idea of Michael Jordan punching Steve Kerr in the face in practice. We never imagined such a thing was happening for a team that was winning at such high levels as the Bulls were. But, you know, Scotty was talking. And I, I saw some reaction on Twitter as well that Stacy was responding to with people trying to figure out, well, why wasn't Stacy pushing back on some of this? And, and, you know, why wasn't he, you know, trying to call Scotty out on, on something? I mean, for one, how, did, did Scotty say anything that's factually inaccurate? Some of the opinions that Scotty <laughs> may have had about Michael being selfish or Phil being selfish. Uh, frankly, my impression is Scotty is not the only person who shares those opinions on Michael Jordan or Phil Jackson. It's not difficult 
to believe that Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson come off as selfish people to those who have to deal with them on a regular basis. We've seen very prominent relationships. And Michael Jordan has had very public relationships with other people in the public eye, whether it's been Charles Barkley famously or Tiger Woods or Scottie Pippen, relationships that were there, that were tight for a little while, that no longer exist. Doesn't mean Michael's the only one at fault or that he's all at fault or anything like that. But Scottie Pippen is not the only one who has had a relationship fracture with Michael Jordan in a very public and prominent way. Let me let you hear a little bit more from Scottie Pippen, though, specific to uh, the, the last dance and what Scottie felt like was Jordan's motivation behind the last dance coming out and how he felt like it was really a, an attempt by Michael Jordan to to be relevant to this generation. So to, speaking of the last dance, oh, yeah. I know I know we all talked about it. A lot of the guys talked about it. Um, you know, a lot of the guys didn't. You know, we knew it came out of Michael's perspective, you know, on how the last dance was portrayed. Um, a lot of guys were like, man, a lot of people, some people didn't get enough credit. You know, some people like yourself didn't get enough credit. What was your take on the last dance? Um, I didn't really need the the, the credit, but um, I thought that um, it was definitely something that was more geared towards uh, Michael and his perspective of how he saw the team, how he saw himself separate from the team. Um, I just thought it was really something to hype up his career to make him more relevant um, in today's world. Um, you know, if you look back at where the game is today, we're 23 years into, you know, pretty much 25 years since we won our last championship. So no one really remembers the Chicago Bulls, um, especially a lot of the kids that are now coming into the game. Uh, they weren't even watching basketball. They were barely even born. So that was really, I felt like it was, um, something that he did to sort of um, bring himself back and really give this modern-day era an opportunity to see what his playing was like um, in, the, in, in the NBA. That's Scotty Pippen on the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. He also went on to talk a bit about his overall impression of the documentary itself and a feeling of disappointment that he had. Well, I, I didn't, again, uh, I looked at it once and I just, uh, I was a little disappointed. I was more disappointed with what the NBA did. Uh, I thought that they really uh, set all this up. They really uh, got a lot of the footage and things from the players to be able to volunteer thinking that, you know, this was supposed to be about the team and from what Phil Jackson, who was on your show, expressed to the team. And me, I was one of the leaders on it um, to allow us to have video, to follow us that season. So we, we open up a lot for the NBA to be able to deal and get into our private life. And we felt that as a team, at least I did as a leader, that from what it was expressed to me, that it would be something that would be fruitful for us as a group. But it turned out that the NBA sort of turned their backs on the players and pretty much sold the video to Michael 
or gave it to him. But as we all know, uh, Michael has always had a different hand inside with the league. He was always dealt with separately, differently, and however you want to break it down. So that's really what it all boiled down to at the end of the day. I, I don't listen to that, and certainly as I listen to the full interview, I'm not hearing that thinking like Scotty's going out of his way to say awful things about Mike or that Scotty's enjoying, you know, getting into this topic. Because, frankly, th- these are things that could have been very easy to put a more negative spin on years ago. Th- this, to me, is is Scotty feeling like he wants to at least respond to – and, you know, how, however accurate it is, just my impression is that Scotty feels like Michael had creative control, had sort of content control over this documentary and over the, the image that it projected of him. And it was not a 100% flattering image of Michael Jordan, but things like, you know, punching Steve Kerr in the face or like being mean or rude to teammates. That's been a part of the Jordan lore for decades at this point. That's not anything that really damages the brand of Michael Jordan at this point. It's, again, one of those things that we've kind of romanticized and just added into this sort of reverent regard that that's shared about MJ. And, you know, I, I just think a lot of us, I'm saying us, I'm just saying kind of the royal us, the collective us, but there's a lot of people who are just so protective of Mike's legacy legacy. And, and want that reverent regard to just kind of stay there. So even somebody like Scottie Pippen, who's as close to a peer with Michael Jordan as anyone is going to be, you know, not that Scottie is the is quite the same level of player of a you know, of magic or bird, but Scottie was one of the other, like whether you credit more Phil or more Scottie, but whoever was the main person that helped Mike win six rings Scotty's one of the key pieces right there. So if there's anyone who I suppose would deserve to be listened to, to have their opinion, you know, respected about like how he felt like things truly went within that dynasty, what was important within the Bulls winning dynamic, I, I can imagine Scotty Pippen would feel like, why, why isn't my voice worthwhile in this conversation if we all sat back where the world in the the pandemic was sitting there watching this documentary where Mike and other folks are willing to kind of take shots at me or, or say things that were very unflattering about me. And then the whole documentary, you know, kind of paints Mike in this really positive light. If I'm the one who's coming out of this thing, looking bad that I put trust in, you know, supposedly my friend, my teammate, Michael Jordan, Scotty put that trust in Mike, put that trust in the NBA. Like you heard him talking about there. And then, he comes out of this in some ways kind of looking like a joke. So why, why shouldn't he have an opportunity to share his side of the story that he felt like certainly wasn't really a part of the documentary itself? I, I understand why Scotty would feel betrayed by that. And I haven't, you know, whether it's been Will Perdue on this station or Stacey King on this station and other places or B.J. Armstrong or Steve Kerr, a whole lot of other folks who've talked about this publicly I don't hear a lot of folks, you know, coming out saying like, well, we're we're surprised that that Mike, you know, kind of had this unflattering way of going about things like, you know, why is it shocking for Scotty to say Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson are selfish? 
Doesn't mean they weren't great. Doesn't mean Mike isn't the greatest player of all time. Doesn't mean Phil might not be the greatest coach of all time. But I, I don't see a lot of public evidence to disagree with the notion that either one of them is selfish. I, that, that, that really lines up with how I, as an adult at least, have viewed both Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson. Let, let's sneak in uh, one of the cut here before we get to a break uh, about this because one of the, you know, hey, one of the main podcasts, a uh, part of the Odyssey Network here, the Organizations Win Championships podcast, kind of born from this famous phrase that was uttered by Jerry Krause, who, you know, more so than Michael or Phil or anybody else, Jerry Krause was kind of the main villainous figure, you know, maybe Reinsdorf to some extent, but really Jerry Krause was the guy who, at least throughout a lot of our lifetimes, was viewed as the reason it broke up and the guy who everybody had to sort of fight against because he didn't want you know, all the players to get the credit and this and that. That was one thing Scotty addressed necessarily, you know, not necessarily that, that Mike wasn't great or that Mike shouldn't get credit, but the idea of Mike not being the only one who should get credit and that the success of the Bulls didn't only come from Michael Jordan. I'll put it like this. Of all my years I played in Chicago and played with Michael, I never saw one free agent come to the Bulls and said that they want to play there with Michael. I do recall a couple of them coming there during the offseason when he retired or the two years that he was away from the game. So I say that to say this. The success of the Bulls came from a team. It didn't come from Michael Jordan. It didn't come from him being critical of other players. If anything, that discouraged players because no player wants to be talked down to, belittled, or even um, made fun of to some way. And I felt like the those were a lot of things that were brought out uh, in a documentary. You couldn't change how he spoke to his teammate. Uh, it was on video. You couldn't change how he uh, criticized his teammates. It's on video. So to look at his character as a player, uh, none of that was driving us into winning. I would say that's largely up for debate. You know, I, I think even, whether it's within the locker room or there's this those of us on the outside looking in and thinking back about the Bulls dynasty, whether or not Mike being a jerk and a bully, how much did that aid? How much did it benefit the Bulls? Our perception historically has been that it did because he was a jerk and a bully and they won. So, I mean, you know, ipso facto, it must be working. It must be beneficial because Michael Jordan is the greatest player in the game who happens to also be a jerk and a bully. But we do see some of these young teammates developing. We saw Horace Grant develop. We saw Scottie Pippen develop. We saw a Bulls team that got pushed around at times by Detroit get tougher and more physical, uh, tougher both mentally and physically. And it led to the greatest dynasty that we had seen in our lifetime, certainly at least in the NBA. I don't know what else you might want to compare it to. I'll call it the greatest dynasty of my lifetime. So, Scotty seems to be under the impression that it wasn't because Mike was a jerk and a bully. That was more of a deterrent 
than anything else. Certainly not something that helped, but it obviously didn't hinder because they won six championships in the years that they were at full strength. May come back around to this uh, at the end of the show here if I have a little bit of time. I, I need to take a time out, though. I haven't talked to any Bears. Been on with you for about two hours at this point. I've got no Bears conversation in. That's because I've been saving it up for my next guest. Going to be joined by the host of the Under Center podcast on the other side of a timeout right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.